Yo, check it. Call Lil C's. Tell that motherfucker to bring me some motherfucking weed from the hospital. Man. Fuck that. Tell that reporter to go pick up 10,000 from Dez and go take about like 20 G's from Gino. Tell that motherfucker to get this nigga next door up out of here. That nigga be showing all night. I can't sleep. And call that big butt nurse with the long hair to come suck my dick. I need about three weeks of recovery But the nurses is loving me Saying the best part of the day is my half Feeding me breakfast and giving me a sponge bath Nigga say I died dead in the streets Nigga I'm getting high, getting head on the beach Chilling, sitting on about half a million With all my niggas, all my guns, all my women Next two years, I should see about a billion All for the love of drug dealing Got no love for the other side, fuck them tricks Any repercussions, you your mouth for your spit clip All the time, Big Papa kicked the wall Rise, raw flows, and that's how it goes. Hello and welcome to the Best Friends Fancast. We are an Allison Rosen fan podcast. I am one of your hosts, Rafael Marquez Castaneda. Your other host is busy trying to produce breast milk to help in the formula shortage. To make up for the fact that we are down a host, I made sure to get a couple of great guests. Welcome back to the show, Trice! Hey, I was on mute. I'm, I'm here. Guys, I'm here. Hi. You scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh my god, was I on mute? Because I took a sip right before <laughs> we started recording. All is well. All is well? Okay. Good to know. We have uh, a lot to catch up on with our next guest, so I'm going to stop asking you questions, Trice. Welcome back to the show. Birthday party princess. Owner of Atreyu the dog. Engaged lady. And a fucking author, Delaney Andrews. That's me! Hi! How have you been? It's been a while since we've chatted, but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're finally back. I am finally back. I think we chatted early, early into the Panini um, when things were like, oh, is this happening? Maybe the world will shut down for a couple weeks. But um, I am swell, very busy with all the things you've mentioned. Uh, and also, I'm a retired party princess. You can't <laughs> be a party princess and <laughs> write a book and have a day job all at the same time, unfortunately. So so we moved to writing instead of party princessing. But that's okay. I had a good run. I think... Uh... I, along with some listeners, will probably be sad to hear that. That does mean that there will not be any sing-alongs on this episode. I'm sorry to the people (laughs) who were expecting that. But um, give us a quick rundown on what you have been up to, because you clearly have been very busy. What is the timeline from... Let's start at the Panini, I guess. Oh, goodness. Oh, well, early in the Panini, I had for I had moved home. I was kind of living, I'd just switched jobs and was getting out of one apartment situation, trying to get into another. So I had moved in with my mother and my three younger siblings, and then the Panini hit. So I was living in a small house with five people um, and just working and trying to get by like everyone else. Uh, since then... Uh, moved to a new place moved in with my now fiance so we have our nice little house we adopted a dog we what did we do is that it we've traveled a little i wrote a book i've been working the same job i closed the princess business uh oh i got a great prescription for some antidepressants those are the (laughs) highlights (laughs) okay so we have to hit the uh the bullet points so first of all yeah um 
you you mentioned you have a fiance. How long have you guys uh been together? When is the wedding? Um, am I invited? <laughs> because I will go if 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 anyone l- listens to the show, they know I will cross the country for literally any reason. And now I don't even have to. You're like a couple of states away. Yeah, I love that. So currently there is no date set partially because I feel like so we got engaged in February amidst a flurry of other people in our age group getting engaged um, and lots of folks who had to postpone their weddings because of the panini. Like, I feel like we're attending like six weddings between now and uh, mid next year. So we don't have a date yet. I think we're going to keep it really small, potentially elope, but then do steal an idea from uh, some of our friends who got married through the panini and they did a wedding tour. So they eloped just the two of them and then visited pockets all over the country of where their friends kind of lived and had just like little mini get togethers, karaoke parties or going out to Korean barbecue or something. So, um, yeah. So once we get the tour dates set, I will let you know (laughs) and we can party. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, Oh yeah. How could we forget? You wrote a book silhouette in the shadow. Yeah. Tell us everything about that. And I know you're working on the second one already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, let us know everything. Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for being interested. Um, I've wanted to write books since I was really little, probably fifth grade. And uh, superhero stories are my favorite. I love Batman and Spider-Man especially, but I've just always loved superhero stories. And uh, I've wanted to write a, a book about a superhero since I was probably in high school. Um, so kind of just like percolated on that idea and, and, you know, kind of, I studied English in college and I wrote a little bit then put it down for a little bit. And then I don't know, just a couple years ago, I just really got the urge to write again. And I was able to start writing kind of every day in a regular habit. And then I was like, oh, this is happening. And And I'm sharing it with people. And I think, you know, I think it's pretty good. So I researched getting published and decided to to indie publish. So I launched my own publishing house to get this book out. And so I've been working on it in earnest basically the last three years and it came out in February. And so it's a superhero origin story about a young girl named Mel who uh, has kind of got a bad at home situation that she's trying to get out of. And uh, a mysterious relative reaches out to her and it's like, hey, why don't you just come live with me? So she thinks that's great. And she's so excited to have a regular life for once. Uh, But as she tries to acclimatize to her new home, she figures out that not only does her uncle have superpowers, but so does she. And that he's the local vigilante and she wants to be one too. And chaos ensues. All right. And how far are you into the second book? I am almost done, like, with getting it into a concise kind of less than crappy draft so it's probably in its third draft um so i'm hoping honestly within the next week to send it to uh beta readers a lot of friends i have who like to take a first look um so since i kind of took my time with the first book and said i'm gonna take as long as i need to to get an excellent product out there for the second book i'm like i'm gonna try and do this as fast as i can and see Mm. see what the difference is see what that means for my process and results so i'm hoping to publish this one in the fall like in november so we'll see wow Mm -hmm. well I guess on that note, we'll <laughs> get to talking about uh, the Monday show. But first, Trice, do you have any shout outs? Uh, d- no. Uh, 
No. I mean, you, of course, for inviting me on. <laughs> but really, no. I uh, hope everybody's doing cool. Uh, oh, actually, oof, oof. Uh, sh- thank you to Superfan Megan for helping me with uh, uh, an undisclosed task, uh, for, for giving me some oversight and a new perspective on something, which I will elaborate no further on unless I do later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Delaney, do you have any shout outs? My tour for you and Lisa, just for doing the good work of getting this out and, and inviting me to be on. And I don't know, I'm just so excited to to see you guys. So, Oh, thank you. I guess I'll give Lisa a shout out. Why are you <laughs> not here? But since she's not here, we get to uh, have some great guests. Um, so shout out to me, honestly. Um, <laughs> hmm. I think that's it. Oh, also shout out to Julie Parkansky for calling me. Shout out to Megan and Jess. They have a new dog. If you're not following either of them on Instagram, you should. So you can see their dog. And I think their dog's Instagram is call her Stuart. Uh, Stuart Little is the dog's name, I believe. Um, yeah, I think that's it. And uh, we don't have any calls on the BFF hotline. But if you want to call or text... 818-BFF-0732, as always. And on that note, let's get to the Monday show with Bridget Todd. At the top, they talked with Tony. And uh, on a previous show, a guest gave him the nickname the most dangerous man in podcasting. Um, I don't know if that's true. But, Trice, do you think that Tony is the NWA of podcasting? Uh, hmm. Uh, <laughs> we do love to hate them. I, I don't know. Uh, that seems very, speaking of NWA, different NWA, a very pro wrestling title. Uh, the most dangerous man in podcasting. I feel like in the 90s, there were uh, several most dangerous mans in several things. Um, yeah. He, he, as a big wrestle head like he is, and now so is Allison. That seems like a modern-day wrestler, like the most dangerous man in podcasting that could be <laughs> an actual wrestler, it feels like. Yeah. He comes out, he hits people with a mic or something like that at the end, and then he, like, hides it from the referee. That's well, his, his move. <laughs> well, also, yeah. like, the most, I'm sure there's, like, probably, like, a couple sex offenders or something in the realm of, he's not literally the most dangerous man in oh, podcasting. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> a little too real. Um, yeah, he, he actually mentioned on that previous uh, show with the wrestler who gave him that nickname that there was a guy who like has a jar of teeth and he pours them into a guy's mouth like that's not a weapon you know that's what kind of move is that uh i don't know very weird cool guy move i guess <laughs> i don't know uh delaney you like superheroes but do you like pro mm-hmm. wrestling I have not uh, dove into the world of pro wrestling, especially since so many fandoms and hobbies have a chokehold on my life. I'm very particular about not starting uh, other ones that will take over my entire life and become my personality. So, uh, no, I'm not a wrestling person. But I did wonder, since Tony is like the bad boy of podcasting as well, who is then the good boy of podcasting? And while are the positions available, that title's available, Rafi, do you want to take it? Um, I'm going to pass <laughs> on that one. We could get you shirts and bumper stickers. <laughs> you know, I have been trying to think of like some new thing that I could, uh, a new t-shirt design I could make, but I don't think that's going to be the one for me. Um, <laughs> I try, 
I don't know if this is who I really am, but I love satanic imagery. So <laughs> if I was like, if it said like good boy of podcasting, but in like that Slayer, like scratchy yes. font with like blood yes. dripping everywhere, maybe. Yes. And pentagrams. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, yeah, I feel, I like... feel like. Go Sorry. ahead. Bentley would be Tony's Ooh. dog is probably the good boy of podcasting. Oh, yes. yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That is true. And boy is spelled B O I. G O O B O I is the good boy of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, Tony, they were kind of joking about uh, the dangerous things that they do, but I'm curious, what is the most dangerous thing you've done recently, Delaney? Oh, easy peasy. I spent all of Friday with um, uh, a group of high schoolers. <laughs> <laughs> I went back to my high school English class and spoke to to current freshmen, sophomore and juniors all day long. And I had to educate and entertain them oh, with the help of a brilliant teacher, obviously. But uh, the, the stress dreams I had were unlike any other the night before. I mean, going to a high school, dangerous for several reasons. Uh-huh. Trice, what is the most dangerous thing that you've done recently? Uh, well, I personally don't hang out with minors, so, you know, <laughs> just putting that out there. Um, no, I, 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 the weird, I guess the closest thing would just be like being around people. Mm. Uh, I was at like gatherings of large human beings and like don't have COVID, fingers crossed. So, uh, and then other like statistically it's probably just driving or something but yeah nothing mm. nothing actually particularly dangerous wow I, I you know i have completely forgotten about covid so yeah probably the most dangerous thing i do on a regular basis is you know going to the grocery store without a mask uh, no one in pennsylvania wears masks if you mm. do you, they look at you like you're deranged or at least not this part of uh, pennsylvania um yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I do very many days. Uh, I ate Wendy's for lunch. Look out, mm. heart attack. You know, I'm coming. <laughs> um, Allison mentions that when Tony's on tour, she wants Tony's mom to take his place. Um, and they they bring this up again on Thursday. She asked if if he's reached out. Um, Trice, do you think that your mom could do what you do? Um, oof, oof, uh, y y she wouldn't want to, um, maybe if at gunpoint, uh, I, it, w she, it would not be an enjoyable thing for her. Cause I like sit at Microsoft, sit at my computer and look at Microsoft Excel all day and like move numbers around. So, um, n spiritually, no, I think it would, it would uh, <laughs> break a part of her, a part of her brain as it is broken mine. Um. But I generally have some some confidence, yeah. Delaney, do you think you are replaceable by the woman who created you? Oh, listen, Jan can do anything. Oh. Um, between raising four children and she's very high up in HR, so uh, <laughs> at a large company, so she's seen it all. However, uh, she would have no interest in doing anything that I do because uh, a lot of what I do involves uh be loud and talking to lots of people and being social and, and being vulnerable and jan is a private lady like the fact that i said her name twice might get me in trouble so don't no one tell her oh maybe i should beep it <laughs> <laughs> then everyone will think my mom's name is profane 
<laughs> she she could be in witness protection or something. Yeah, yeah. For all the listeners know. Uh, so we got to talk with Bridget Todd, and I'd like to uh, always find out if the people on the show are familiar with the guests. This is the first that I have heard of her. I've never even heard of her show. Um, there are no girls on the internet, and um, I forget what the other thing she did is, but Delaney, were you familiar with the guest? I was not. Trice? Yes, and it took me a while to sort of place her because I don't listen to her podcast, and I was like, I've definitely heard her voice on podcasts before, and I think it's because she's a, like a semi-regular guest on the Daily Zeitgeist, which is like a current uh, events news podcast that I listen to sometimes. Yes, I do love... I. I didn't know her. Maybe I'll look up her episodes of Daily Zeitgeist because when Allison and Jackie Johnson are on that show is when I listen and I do love it, um, especially when Jackie's on and she sings great songs uh, to intro herself. Um, so Bridget lives in D.C. and Allison mentions that she's like engaged and just kind of. Maybe it's living in D.C. specifically, but she's kind of like active in uh, either, I don't know, currently the the stuff going on with the Supreme Court. Um, and I, I kind of felt like Allison where I kind of feel hopeless about certain things. Like I feel like the only power that I have is voting or like with my money. Like I try not to support bad companies, um, but I forgot to cancel my free trial of Amazon Prime. So damn you, Bezos getting a couple of bucks out of me for another month but um i don't know how you guys feel specifically about uh stuff like that do you feel more like allison where you're kind of hopeless or are you more hopeful and engaged like bridget whenever i hear allison say something that i that i agree with and i'm like i, I have to check in with myself because she's wrong so often about so many <laughs> things um no but yeah uh, so i don't do new year's resolutions but i do have like a like a, a list of things that i would like to do that i want to do in this year that i wrote um at the beginning of the year and one of them is to be it's i think it's just literally like be less hopeless um because i think i would be more not just politically engaged but more socially engaged engaged more like um willing to go out and help people do things in general if i didn't have this sort of um general sort of dark cloud of like of dread and depression hanging over my head and sort of a um a cynicism which i think is not is not helpful and it's it's not uh even if there are larger problems that you can't take direct action against you can show up for people um and bridget i liked how she was she mentioned that this is one of the things that sort of kept her going is that um, even if, if you don't necessarily have a ton of faith in the political system, you can have faith and be heartened by people looking out for one another on, on a sort of um, interpersonal level, which I related to and uh, I appreciated hearing someone else say. It's been on my, my mind in the last uh, year or so, especially. Delaney? Yeah, <laughs> I would say for me, it goes in waves of like feeling hopeful or hopeless in terms of the state of the world, I guess. Uh, so I feel like this podcast came at a good time of like me coming out of one of those feelings of like nothing I do matters and, and you know, politicians don't have our best interests at heart no matter what side of the aisle and all that. Um, I'm on an upswing right now of like, oh, let's try and find the news stories where we talk about the, the difference that's being made uh, and actually the good work that is being done. So I try to consume 
a lot of news uh, widely, like from a lot of like, you know, good news type stuff on Instagram to, uh, you know, newsletters that kind of corroborate a lot of different stories. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just riding that wave and trying to not not ever give up about the importance of like voting to talking about things with my friends to to researching things so but it's a slog man yeah uh, on the on the news thing yeah i think that is important because for for whatever reason when when i look at the news it's always something horrible the buffalo shooting the abortion stuff it's very easy to feel hopeless um and sometimes I do wish, like, oh, man, I wish there was, like, just a good news website, like, just showing me the happy stuff. And then I was like, wait, isn't that what Upworthy is supposed to be? But I don't want to hear, <laughs> I don't want to just hear, like, stories of, you know, dog saves, drowning child. That's not my idea of, like, good news either. So, um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, just being alive is, it's rough. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Bridget is a professor at Howard University, or was, I'm not sure if she uh, still is, but at the same time that she was a professor at Howard, she was also going for her uh, PhD, and she got her master's, but quit before she finished her PhD program, and um, that was just, even the fact that she got her master's and was trying to get her PhD is so amazing to me as someone who just has like a disdain for education for some reason um and also this makes me of course think of our pal Whitney in in Georgia um who just got her PhD so congratulations to her but Delaney what do you think that you could ever like dedicate your life to just being a lifelong student like that to me that's it's like so foreign Hell no, I refuse. I said this verbally out loud when I was listening um, to the podcast earlier this week. Uh, I think for some folks, it's just a good fit, you know, depending on their field and their passion. And some people do really like being students or, you know, especially if you want to teach at certain levels. I know you've got to, you know, have a certain level of education and things like that. But between... I don't know. I did college. I learned a lot. It was lovely. But like between student loans and that time commitment and that certain kind of stress that goes with education, like, no, thank you. Though they make grown up money. Unless, unless I need to go back to school for more grown up money, I'm not doing it. No, thank you. <laughs> Trice, uh, will I be calling you doctor in a few years time? Um, I mean, it might be like my DJ name, like doctor something or uh yeah, Dr. Beats, but spelled like the vegetable. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. But no, uh, that kind of, I, my reaction to hearing that is like, but why? But why would I do that? Like, what What would be the reason for me to do that? And nothing comes to mind, unless I be, unless I decide very late in life to become a doctor or something like that. Like, it, it doesn't even compute why I would go through that. Um or I guess maybe if you just find something you really love, but even then you might just want to work in the field and not do the, I don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't quite click for me. Like it doesn't fit into anything that is familiar with me in my life. Yeah. So she said about 
about people who like get their PhD. She said something like, like she loved to teach so much so that she had a, a license plate that said love to teach, uh, which I would love to know how she spelled that in seven letters. Um, but she was saying that she was a professor at Howard and that kind of was like enough for her, I guess, where as people who are getting their PhD, she found that like a lot of them were just really into the scholarly pursuits, I guess. Um, so I thought that was interesting and I would love to have uh, Whitney C. Uh, tell us how she felt about that. So call the hotline, mm -hmm. Whitney. Um, Trice, have you had a, uh, a uh, customized license plate? What would it read? Oh, um, And Delaney, I will not be asking you. No, I'm kidding. You will also be asked this question, so uh, I hope you have an answer ready. Um, I I I would lean towards towards something ironic that I wouldn't actually do, like something like drunk driver or something like that. Something that uh, you definitely wouldn't want as a license plate. Um, those would be the things that come to mind first. I don't know. Delaney, Amber Alert, something like that. Oh. <laughs> This is to, uh, I feel bad answering a question the same way twice, but I would once again say, heck no, no, thank you. I refuse. I am not a fan of vanity plates. I think they're always really funny. Like, I don't know. I just saw one. My sister and I play this game. We usually commute at the same time and we'll call each other when we see stupid ones. So here in Michigan, one of the cool license plates you can get has the, the old English D, the logo of the Detroit Tigers on it. And so people around here will like use that as the first letter. Mm -hmm. So I saw one the other day that said had the D and then the letters of the license plate were disciple. So it said disciple and that is clever and that is fine, but it just made me roll angry. your eyes. So, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know my current license plate, I, which I will not give verbatim, but I will tell you that it um, starts with the letters DKD. And so whenever I look, I just think it always says dict and I think that's hilarious. So that's, and that's why I remember like when I'm like trying to pay for parking and I can't remember what my license plate is. That's how I know. Um, related to this, I was driving the other day. I work in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a very crunchy place. If you're not familiar, very hippy dippy, which is lovely and that's fine. However, I was behind someone that had a bumper sticker on their car that literally said, if I'm driving too slow, please just go around me because I saw a cool mushroom. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And that was my thing where I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. I want a bumper sticker for an excuse of any time that I was the terrible driver. Uh, I think I know what uh, I'm getting my, uh, my boo for her Christmas present. Is your boo uh, a forager? She is obsessed with mushrooms, yes. Oh, right. Oh, my God. What if it was your boo? Was she in an arbor recently? <laughs> oh, no. Mm. <laughs> mm, I'm going to have to. Uh, yeah. I'm going to grill her when she gets yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rafi, what would your license plate be? Oh, my God. Well, in the dream team, which I have referenced, uh, me, Lisa, Lauren and Dr. Jen, we always, always send each other pictures of every dumb license plate we see. And in California, yes. I. I've looked this up and I think like Virginia or something is the number one state for vanity plates, but California has so fucking many and <laughs> it's always 
so strange to me. Like the desire to put something like I feel like Trice, I would want to put something funny. Um, but I don't understand the people that like disciple or, or like a Jesus thing, um, like blessed or something I feel like is, is kind of like common stuff. Uh, I don't understand the urge. Um, so, Ooh, maybe I'll get one. It says kick me. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Oh, just, uh, for the sake of completeness. So my old license plate was uh 5YFK563 and I always remembered it as why'd you fuck 563 people uh <laughs> that was my mnemonic device for a memory wow amazing especially if someone heard you muttering it under your breath at the DMV I, I'm sure I'm like my god the things that, that DMV people must see <laughs> mm-hmm. um how could I forget? Uh, how could I not make an ass man reference? Um, I have the uh, fake Seinfeld uh, ass man plate, and I have thought about like I wonder if I just because I currently have California plates, and I'm not going to register my car in Pennsylvania until I get like basically arrested. Um, but I was like, I wonder if I could put this on my car and just drive around with it. Um, but I don't think I want that kind of attention, uh, unlike Kramer. Um, <laughs> so they started talking about Bridget's mom and her parents. Um, well, first she said that she was living her life for her parents, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And she said that she, I guess when she dropped out of the PhD program, she realized, you know, she has to live her life for herself. Um, I wouldn't say that I was living my life for my parents, but I do feel that once I kind of gave up the ideas that were put in my head by my parents. I could really start to live for myself. Um, And then I also kind of feel guilty about that because I feel like for after that, even up until now, I was like kind of living a very selfish life. Um, Like when they were talking about being politically engaged or, or just like in social causes, I, I do feel like I don't, do that partly like Allison I think I'm lazy but also it's like I have like a finite amount of time on earth and I don't think that standing in a park with a sign is really gonna make a difference so I would I'd rather do something else that I enjoy because I could be dead tomorrow you know Um, but I'm curious if you guys feel that you're living for someone else or are you living for you that is uh immensely deep and difficult of a question which i will keep saying while i think about the answer you know i i don't think i ever had the experience of thinking that i lived for my parents but i did find i do find that the kind of unique brand of anxiety i have meant that uh, my lovely parents who who did their best to raise me and did such a good job I found that though everything they ever said I took very literally especially from a young age so like you know something as simple as like hey always work hard and do your best you know you'll be fine um that translated very literal for me and guided my life for a really long time of like perfectionism and always feeling the need to put in a hundred percent or a hundred and ten percent uh and, you know, it never crossed my mind to, to go back and ask them about that and see what they meant. You know, they were just kind of, kind of giving a good overview type of rule uh, that I took way to heart. Um, 
but I'm glad to have kind of, um, I don't know, rectified that, learned, learned to compartmentalize that. Um, yeah. Trice. Uh, I, I live for no one. Uh, not even myself. Um, yeah, I don't, it was interesting to hear her talking about, so she actually literally said, I made a note of it because it was interesting to me. She talked about going away to college and she said up to that point, the voice in my head was somebody else's, which I thought was a, a very interesting way to put that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, uh, maybe it's because I have a, a unique, not unique, but perhaps not the the most uh, common kind of relationship with either of my parents, but it's it's I definitely don't feel as though I'm living for them in like any sort of a regular way. Um, although I'm, you know, we all still do have like the uh, the default programs that were installed in us when we were a kid that we need to either uninstall or update. And I wonder if, like she said, her mom is a pediatrician, so I wonder if having high achieving parents uh makes that a lot worse uh for mm-hmm. the child i i assume it must and she also mentions that her her mom is one of the busiest people she knows and i was just thinking wow my mom is so not busy <laughs> she spends her free time you know going to like a dance club for older people and that's like her social scene and like that's literally her life revolves around that she won't go anywhere she's like no not until we leave only if we can leave after this or if we're back before this so it's absurd but trice is your mom busy uh yes she is a uh not, not a working girl but a working woman um yeah, she she's uh, uh she does uh stuff. She has a job with the county doing stuff, going places, talking to people about things. She's overall a fairly busy person, although she has so she's I forget how old she is now. Uh uh late 50s maybe. Um anyway, she's she's is in a point in her career where she can sort of take, you know, a fair amount of time off from work and sort of only come into the office when she needs to and stuff like that. So she definitely has more free time than she used to, but she's still, uh, she's an active senior or whatever. She's a, uh, no, but she, uh, I, short answer, yes, she's busy. Oh, that was, a, I also agreed. It was very funny to me to hear like Allison ask Tony if, like, is your mom a busy lady or something like that? Because uh, that's a, a weird question. Delaney, while Trice goes to talk with his player piano, uh, is your mom busy? Yes. Jan is an adventurous lady, and I love that about her. Especially, I wonder, too, just, you know, like I said, having raised four kids. Um, and my youngest, I'm the oldest, and my youngest sibling is 16. So getting to the point where my, she's, she's in, my youngest sister is independent, my mom's independent. So, like, when my mom's not working, she just wants to have experiences, which is really lovely. So she goes on a lot of trips. Um, we go on a lot of adventures together to like casinos and concerts and things like that. So uh, it's a lot of fun, but sometimes I cannot keep up with her. Uh, like we'll joke that if we let my mom plan the vacation without our input, she will set it up. Like, Why don't we just go for like two weeks? Like, let's just go to LA for two weeks. And we're just like, ah, I'm sleepy. Uh, but I love that about her because when I don't have the energy to do something, I can call on my mom and she will have the energy. 
Uh, is she available for next week's episode? <laughs> Besides, yeah, how do we ju- like do this with the fact that she is um, also like, like I said, not not shy. She's just private, so she's available uh, not for podcasting next week. But if you want to go to a casino, like I'm sure <laughs> there's a great one between our, me and you. <laughs> I I bet there are. She's the host of There Are No Girls on the Internet, and she says that um, it's kind of about marginalized people on the Internet. And something that she said um, that I think is so very true, uh, she said, you know, what would Twitter be without these marginalized folks? And I think it's so true. I think a lot of popular culture, um, especially what came to my mind was black Twitter. Like she said, whenever something is like, big on twitter like you know who's behind it and i feel like so much of memes and comedy on the internet especially twitter comes from like quote unquote black twitter and um i don't know something about that just really struck me uh maybe because that's the kind of people i follow on twitter um it's no secret i love Jesus and marrow and that's kind of where they started um people like that i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> Yeah, right. the, much like Twitter, it's hard for it to go anywhere sometimes. <laughs> Chase, go ahead. I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, I yeah, I will note your racism. Try to silence the black man after talking about black Twitter. <laughs> uh, among my many thoughts, I thought it was cool that she brought up the sort of um, what came to be called black fishing a little bit mm. uh, on Twitter that was going on. This was more a couple years ago. This is sort of in the in the uh, in the era of like people like suspecting everybody being like a russian bot there were like definitely a fair number of like fake black uh twitter accounts that i saw there at some point there became a, a reddit page that was just called you know as a black man uh because that's how like all these fake posts would start and then they you know they'd google someone and they find that the picture they were using as their avatar was just like a stock image of a black person like if you google like black person smiling that's the picture that they found or whatever so uh th- this was definitely a thing um and it's uh it's weird and bad um yeah it's all i i have not seen it nearly as much in the last couple of years so hopefully people are better about uh cracking down on fake accounts maybe i don't know well once elon buys it up you know yeah, he's boy. gonna he's gonna fix it right up don't you worry trice yeah Allison... hey, don't you know elon <laughs> musk he's african-american guys because he's from south africa and now he's in america <laughs> said every dumb dumb crypto bro on twitter i swear to god anyway sorry <laughs> um, yes allison mentioned that she had an interaction she told the disneyland story again um and she says that someone on twitter that had like mexalente in their name was like you know oh my my dad did that to me and his dad did it to him and we all turned out fine and like we kind of mentioned it briefly last week but like yeah i was hit by my parents uh mostly my dad and I think only my dad maybe um and from what i heard he was horribly abused by his dad so it's like like do you want the progression to be like a flat line or do you want it to like decrease as time goes on you know like making things better for your children i would assume uh is the goal so that's such a stupid argument to begin with but also then i was like is this person real? Are they actually Mexican? And also, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Aside from the fact that, in my experience, uh, Mexicans do love hitting their kids. Um, but what does that have to do with anything? How does this 
how does what does this what bearing does this have on her story that she saw something that was fucked up at Disney and was upset by it? Yeah, I think it was on the this was sort of on the heels of like the fake black people on Twitter things. So she was wondering, is this like uh, Mexilente, whatever? Uh, is this just is this guy just a racist troll or is he actually I, I will say. I think people tend to usher, underestimate the number of like real people with terrible opinions. Like, um, just just a lot of real, real genuine people who shouldn't be talking out there, uh, no matter where you go. Like uh, in the so speaking of activism, like there are people who are like, oh, all of these movements, you know, they're infiltrated by ops and the CIA, man. And it's like, no, like regular people are very dumb and want to like throw bricks at cops on camera. Like that that's just a thing that happens. Uh, you may not know this, Trace, but January 6th, that wasn't MAGA, guys. You know, that was all Antifa. That's what I've heard. And it makes sense because no Trump supporter has ever made a bad decision. I can't think of one dumb thing that they decided to do with a bunch of other Trump supporters that, uh, I don't know, it seems impossible to me. So this kind of led into led into talking about their relationship with social media. For myself, I would say at some point, and honestly, I don't know if this was before Trump's presidency or what. I'm, I think it was before that, because if you look at my Instagram, there's three photos. Uh, if you look at my tweets, I haven't tweeted in God knows how long. So for me, I, I think I realized that social media for me is entertainment. It's not like a place to engage. Um, this is not where I like go to get my thoughts out and to like take in. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a TV show. It's a way to waste time in, in a line somewhere at the DMV or something. But I'm curious, uh, Delaney, what is your relationship to social media? Yeah, I think I've um, refined it over the last few years uh, because I feel like currently I only use social media like if it's fun and when it stops being fun or serving me in a helpful way, that's when I close out the app. Um, for example, just like speaking to all of this, like Twitter, which like jokingly is often kind of a crapshoot of things. Like currently my Twitter feed, I love very much because I've just curated it to a lot of um it's all like authors and publishers like myself, um, especially like queer authors and authors of color. And because then I could just, I sit there and I learn and I, you know, this is, you know, my chance to sit down and shut up and, and hear about their takes on the publishing industry and their experiences uh, and things like that. Um, and then even like, like I, I'm, I've fallen victim to the TikTok craze. I'm obsessed with it, but I love it because I learn, like I follow so many accounts about how like you know different like emotional intelligence or or certain things that we've been led to believe that are like i don't know we talk about like i don't know if anybody else has guilt about cleaning there's a brilliant account called domestic blisters where she talks about how like hey cleaning your house is morally neutral and if you have dishes in the sink it's morally neutral like that's okay and here's how to you know change your life to serve you so i love curating my feeds so I can pretty much see like you know the accounts that I want to see the people I want to hear from the news and things like that um but it's such a crapshoot I find when you start getting into the the comments of anything is when it's just a nightmare no matter how brilliant the post especially on TikTok just click open the comments and someone has said something 
unhinged and hateful. Uh, usually a straight white man has said something unhinged and unhelpful. Um, so th I try to have really solid boundaries around my social media, the way I interact with it for my own sanity. Trice, I know in the past you have mentioned that it, there was a time where you would like argue with people on forums or chat rooms or something. Uh, but what is your current relationship to social media? You, uh, yeah, I do not do that anymore. That was more of a, um, so part of it, most of it was getting older and I just, that seems much less interesting to me now. Um, but also part of it is just that the, the forum, the, uh, the, the, the way different social media places are set up, like it's easier to argue with someone on like an old style message board or Reddit than it is to like argue on Twitter. Like you can be snarky on Twitter, but it's like, you can't really, it's, it's harder to debate without making a thread of like 57 tweets and then waiting for someone else to reply with their 28 tweets or whatever. It's just not <laughs> meant for it. And like, similarly, like you can argue in like the YouTube comment section, but it's like, it's it's just for like angry racists or like people who hate Amber Heard or whatever. Like there's no, there, there's no, uh, it's not, a, it's not a forum for discussion. Um, so even if you're inclined that way, it's, I think current social media is set up to like sort of um, get you to move on to the next thing a little more than like checking whatever message board you used to check. Um, but social media wise, I, I am in it. Uh, I love, I don't love, I, I am, I'm a frequent checker of TikTok. I don't really post anything, but it's, uh, it's, you meet, air quotes, meet interesting people on TikTok. You definitely, I think genuinely, you, you can be exposed to very different viewpoints and di very different, uh, not just viewpoints, but people who live different experiences than you have, um, depending on like your algorithm and like if you, which rabbit hole you go down, if you like decide you want to see more or less of, this thing or that thing. I have so much like lesbian and like uh, gender queer content on my TikTok, which I would not, I didn't seek it out. It just kind of, I think the algorithm sort of decided like, oh, you like girly stuff, but you also like girls. So you're probably a gay woman. Um, so it shows <laughs> me a bunch of, uh, <laughs> a bunch of queer stuff. And it's like, uh, it's, it's very interesting. Also like a more uh, like kink BDSM stuff than I would normally, uh, be inclined to search out uh at least usually uh so yeah it's it's been uh it's been interesting to to see other points of view about things and i think tiktok can be actually very good for that but also can like just show you like a guy shooting a, a gun in a field while like a song about the white boys plays or something i don't know uh i think tiktok's uh you know obviously it's it's just spyware and it's really exposing what you're actually talking about in in your everyday life trice hmm. so little do you know that uh you've just exposed yourself right. um you're a kinky lesbian how exciting I mean, uh, uh, sure i'll take it <laughs> um i mean you can be anyone you want to be on on online you know so yeah. who who's gonna say otherwise um I no do... one's checking that asl <laughs> no one's verifying um they mentioned that Donnie Darko uh, was based on her town, Midlothian, uh, Virginia, and that she grew up longing for something. I'm not familiar with this movie, but I do feel like I'm longing for something. And I also think that my love of Prince um, 
means that me and Bridget would get along. But Trice, what are your thoughts on Donnie Darko? I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> and if you haven't, <laughs> uh, dare t- you. tell me what uh, you're, you're longing for. No, I, I Donnie Darko seems like a thing I would have seen, but mm. also it is not. It is not. It's one of those things that I'm, I don't know. It was very, it was, it was a little too, how, not a, it was not in my wheelhouse. I'll just say it was, it was maybe a little too like, Ooh, this is what's like the new, like cool indie thing. And I like, yeah, maybe I'll watch that later. And then later turned into like 20 years later and <laughs> still not watching it. Um, because I have to like disagree with everything, especially at the time. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what I'm longing for is uh, a big question. Uh, I don't know exactly. Um, uh, I'm, you know what? I've recently have started going to therapy again, so uh, we'll uh, we'll work on figuring that out also. Okay, uh, Delaney, Donnie Darko thoughts or your longing for something. <laughs> I am fully unfamiliar with Donnie Darko, besides the fact that I'm sure I've seen it on an IMDb page of whichever Hollywood heartthrob is the lead in Donnie I Darko. I feel like it's Keanu Reeves. Is that right? I'm looking to try. No. I Wrong. <laughs> no, I forget who's in it, though. I want to say Jared Leto is in it, but I don't think he's the star. Mm. Okay. Um, I forget. It's not Tobey Maguire, but it's some sort of like a adjacent, like a maybe like a, Jake Gyllenhaal. Maybe I don't know. Uh, that sounds right. So, no, unfamiliar with Donnie Darko. I am so relieved that you both are as well. Uh, just because I didn't want to sound silly um, compared to everything else I've said. But what am I longing for? I didn't, Since I was little, I really wanted to write books. So honestly, I feel very content lately having done that and spending so much of my time doing that. Like, it's very funny when I sit at my day job all day. I just wish I was writing instead. Um, it's what I do when I come home to relax. Sometimes it's what I do at like 9.30 at night or 5.30 in the morning. Um, and I think that also feeds into like, this sense of adventure and longing that I did have when I was younger. Like I remember reading books or watching movies and seeing people have adventures, you know, like watching Lord of the Rings and being like, but I mean, an adventure sounds really fun though. Like what is there in my life that is quite that intense? Because I do think probably fortunately for most people, um, their lives aren't quite that intense um, all the time. So writing definitely scratches that itch especially writing books with lots of action in them um so i can kind of uh feel those feelings or whatever i'm looking for in a roundabout way so i looked it up on imdb and because we we stand taylor swift um i will let you know that yes it does star jake graphing calculator and we will move on and say nothing else of this movie for the rest of the show um let's see um, she mentioned that she has been online uh, since she was 12 years old when she got her computer in AOL. Um, I can't remember how old I was when I got on the internet, but I thought that was something kind of interesting. Delaney, how long, or I should say, how young were you when you first got online? Oh, I was in early high school, I think. I, I was in the era of Neopets. Neopets was my life between that and AOL chat with with people from my school that is what I did every day <laughs> Trice you mentioned ASL um oh how, for sure how old were you uh goosh 
uh, so I have like several. The internet was like new as a commercial thing when I was a kid. I was on it pretty early, so probably similar, similarly like my first exposure <laughs> would have been like sixth, seventh grade in that area. But then also like maybe it was like one month of free AOL or something. And then a couple months later, you know, again, and then eventually it became a regular thing. But um, it became more of a consistent regular thing, I would say around 15, 16 years old. So this would have been uh, mid, late 90s. Yeah, late 90s. Um, yeah, so I was very, yeah, I, I related to what she was talking about, about how, like, discovering the internet as a way to, like, chat with people. I didn't live in, like, a small town exactly. I was I didn't have a, her exact upbringing situation. I was definitely not raised by, like, multiple doctors or anything. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely, like, a very weird, new, cool thing of the internet was. It was so much less ubiquitous, and it was, like, you can... Discover this, you know, X Files fandom and read fan fiction or whatever, which was not my particular thing, but I related to a lot. Um, just the sort of um, stumbling across new things, and you know, eventually, um, you discover that you can download songs. Although this was like, I was on fifty six k back then, so it was like very slow and sort of um, sometimes few and far between. But it was it was a uh, um, an eye opening experience, maybe not always in a good way, um, but it was it was a uh, I related to the time period, the time of the internet she was talking about, I think. Yeah, for the longest time, uh, you know, my parents were not going to spend any money on something like a computer, uh, especially when they didn't know what you could do with it or why you would need one. Um, but so I didn't have a computer until I bought one, which I think was 2005 or 2006. Um, and so... Uh, I think I was 18 or so, but up until then, I was just, you know, whenever I would go to a friend's house that had a computer, that was uh, my only access to the internet and stuff. So I think I really missed out on a lot of that. Um, but you know, it's fine by me. I don't think I missed much. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, one of the things that doesn't happen so much anymore that used to happen all the time is that like your favorite website would just like disappear because like hosting costs or whatever and nothing was ever backed up so you'd like go to this you know forum where you had like made online friends or whatever with people for like years and then it would just be gone one day or you'd have a website where you post a bunch of like pictures that you drew or stuff that you wrote and then the server would go down and everything would just be gone <laughs> um so at least that doesn't happen as much anymore recording in progress the recording is in progress that that's like a dumb bit that i do just for me because i think other people are like oh he doesn't know we can hear it too but i know they can that's why i say it i'm like hey guys we're recording anyway um my whole that's, life you know, is... that's rafi's signature <laughs> bit where he imitates the zoom recording lady you know my whole life Classic. is my whole life is bits that are just for me that no one finds funny um hey you're not living for someone else. <laughs> exactly i'm living for me i'm living my best life um, so they did JMOs and Hey Go Fuck Yourself. Uh, I think the Hey Go Fuck Yourself, we could just briefly talk about that. She said uh, Kim Kardashian and the, um, and now I'm forgetting her name, Mon not Monica Lewinsky. Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe and Same the dress. Same difference. <laughs> yeah, they have things in common. Yeah. Same person in my brain. Um, and she said that she just, Hey Go Fuck Yourself, because we're not starving ourselves, you know, quit kind of talking about stuff like that i i guess 
yeah i i see where she's coming from but i hear when i hear someone saying like oh i starred myself to get into my wedding dress or to whatever um i don't think of it like as anorexia i i think of it as like when i restrict food for myself for whatever reason like for a diet um i am starving i'm eating you know i'm probably health eating healthier than normal but i'm still i feel like i'm starving so i i think that might be uh she doesn't literally mean she's starving herself but i totally get why bridget took offense with this and also who cares about kim kardashian uh i i try to ignore everything she does unless it's some of that social yeah. justice stuff that she actually uh should get recognized for sure um but they did the only jmo uh for the whole week and it was bridget's when she's feeling especially sad, she'll put on a sad song to really wallow in that and to feel sadder. But if she's distracted, then she was, she's not feeling sufficiently sad. She'll play it again and uh, again and again until she's sufficiently sad. Um, I'm wondering, do you guys do this? I don't do this with songs. I do this with films. Um but yeah, like when I'm sad or like, I'm like, oh, I need to get, I need to lean into this or like, oh, I, there's a cry in there and I need to let it out. Um, I put on the Matt Damon classic, We Bought a Zoo, <laughs> and I pour a glass of wine and I just cry it out. Uh, I have yet another uh, movie that is referenced that I have never yeah. seen. <laughs> Uh, Run, I, don't walk. <laughs> Watch it immediately. I think I, I get the gist of it. Um, Trice. Yeah, the plot is they buy a zoo. <laughs> Trice, uh, music to feel sad or movies? Uh, music. I definitely related to this one. I've definitely many times like listened to some song that I was trying to get some, some, uh, some juice out of. And it was like, oh, I either wasn't paying attention or it's not as sad as it used to be. So let me like either listen again or find a different song from the same album or something like that. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, like dogs eating grass to help them digest stuff. Or <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, you have to, you have to get a little bit of the, the poison in, in order to process your own feelings. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, not so much recently, but I know for a fact that when I was feeling depressed, um, not like a sad song because I can't even think of a sad song right now, but I would definitely listen to very extreme death metal. Uh, something about it was kind of not soothing, but comforting, I guess. I don't know. Just knowing that someone out there is like more fucked up, more sad than me, maybe. I don't know. Um, and that's about it for the Monday show. Now, the Thursday show, with John Ross Bowie and Jonah Ray as the guests, Tony again doing a great intro. Trice, uh, are you offended that he stole your bit of stealing Daniel's bit? Yeah, I feel like this is just, you know, a copy of a copy at this point. It's, uh, it's uh, frankly, I expected better from Tony um, as someone who... Is, is potentially, you know, could play a role in this show also, depending on how he reacts to the overtures of the hosts. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's classless, and uh, I expect better. And frankly, um, I'm gonna hold him to I'm gonna hold him to a higher standard in the in the future moving forward. You know, it really is a human centipede situation, 
and um i think tony is in the middle right now mm -hmm. uh, i haven't seen human centipede but <laughs> anyway um oh we were her little campfire marshmallows sent in by none other than ray morgan uh, she claims that she has a carb czar, and she claims that she occasionally checks this list. But if if you pay attention when you when you listen to the show, you'll know Lisa. She's had like ten carbs probably by now. Uh, Kelly in Iowa, she's had like five, six, maybe. I know Ray's had a few. I've had a few. I mean, what's the point of this carb czar? Um, but. My biggest complaint, of course, as per usual, they don't talk about the carb. She talked more about the carbs are than the carb. How do you feel about Campfire Marshmallows Delaney? Heck yes. I uh, I, I love s'mores. I, I'm a big old slut for s'mores, so I loved this carb. I will happily be this carb this week. Trice, <laughs> Campfire Marshmallows, how do you feel? Uh, I am a good girl for s'mores i guess i don't <laughs> uh, no i'm not a i'm not a huge fan there i, I find i find it i feel i don't know maybe especially in the past not so much anymore but the marshmallow is a perhaps an overrated snack or treat it's it's fine they're fine you toast them in there better than fine but it's also like it's a uh, uh, let someone else have when are we going to start toasting like uh snickers bars or something when are we going to start bringing deep fryers to camping i don't know uh the marshmallow sort of had its day and needs to step out of the spotlight a little bit and uh, pass the baton if you will pass the skewer to something <laughs> yeah and i think that, like everyone has a 75 percent full bag of marshmallows in their pantry that have just hardened because yes. you use them <laughs> to make s'mores once in the summer because it sounded good and you had to and now you have a bag of marshmallows you're not going to use. For years, there was one. And like in my mom's <laughs> house, there was just it's a bag of marshmallows that was up there for like, uh, literally, I, I could not tell you how many years. <laughs> um, so I, I guess I'm uh, somewhere in between the both of you. I think campfire marshmallows, eh, they're fine. They're okay. But I do love chocolate-covered marshmallow candies um, in in various uh, forms that you might find them, whether shaped like a clown or not. Uh, I think a chocolate-covered marshmallow is delish. But, mm, you know, I think the Campfire Marshmallow is kind of plain. I think it... Delaney, you mentioned s'mores. I think that they're an ingre ingredient of s'mores. So I feel like Campfire Marshmallow, decent carb, but not something people actually go for. They, they only use Campfire Marshmallow's as an ingredient for s'mores. So really mm -hmm. the carb should be s'mores. Ray Morgan, do better. <laughs> <laughs> Allison doesn't feel well, and that led to a Zoom recording for safety. Uh, she went on her quote-unquote camping trip, and she was around a bunch of toddlers. Tony threw a temper tantrum. So this led to them doing the show over Zoom, and Tony mentions that he has still not adapted to this. Um, we're currently doing this over Zoom because uh, one of us three, I'm not going to say who, is an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> Trice. No! <laughs> have you adapted? I know you're getting back out there. You're on the scene, man. Have you adapted to the Zoom life or not? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I still pretty regular. Well, I think that I have, I have, uh, I have like, I have things that have moved off of Zoom, like I a regular book club thing that I went to, you know, that I go to right, like once a month is our meeting. And then that moved back to Zoom just because uh, somebody got COVID last month. Um, but yeah, it'll well, move back to a uh, used Microsoft Teams for whatever reason. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm flexible. I I I'm not as flustered by Zoom and uh, et cetera as Tony seems to be. I I can relate to him wanting to do stuff in person, um, but it's also like eh, yeah. I mean, I've already been kind of doing it this way for the last two years, so it's a uh, it's it's no longer too much of a big deal it's kind of the status quo and then like getting to do it the regular way is like a, a treat now like a special benefit delaney how do you feel about it i especially it's been so long now i feel definitely acclimatized to zoom especially uh via work like it's how we have all sorts of meetings um and I like it fine. I think I like it for convenience of other things too, especially like for situations like this, like talking to folks who don't live close by. This is way more fun for me than like a phone call. Um, and then, yeah, I guess I don't know. A lot of my favorite kind of social things don't do well with Zoom. So like Zach and I love to go to the movies and we love to go to concerts. So we're very lucky that like those kinds of things are still happening in person and um you know, or at least our meetings can be via Zoom. So at least we can go to the movies, come home, make sure we're not sick before we decide to then go to a concert several days later. So yeah, I guess I give Tony one break simply because I imagine maybe producing via Zoom has some bonus aspects to it that are a pain, I bet. Um, but otherwise, it's not going anywhere. I wonder if Tony is just that much of an extrovert um, it kind of sounds like he's not, um, but, and like when, whenever I've interacted with him, he's very, he's not shy, kind of reserved, but not, not shy. Um, but I guess it's different when it's like people, you know, and I wonder if part of the fact is that he lives in Burbank or Glendale. I'm not sure exactly, but I think it's Burbank. Allison's in Burbank and he's just like, why, why are we not doing this in person? Like, It'd be like if you were across the street, but you called each other, you know, it like, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Just come over. So I wonder if part of it is that for him. Um, and Hey, if he has, I mean, if he doesn't mind leaving Bentley an orphan, fucking go, go to the COVID <laughs> shack. Allison's not going to put up that much of a fight, you know? Um, Allison mentioned that they went quote unquote camping and the camping truthers came after her. Delaney, did she go camping? I don't know, because my opinions on camping are minimal, beyond the fact that, no, thank you, I don't want to go. <laughs> so I don't know if she went camping. I guess, I don't know. Were they intense, did they say? I think it was like a cabin situation. I don't know. I, I feel like when people go to visit cabins, they say, hey, I'm going to the cabin, I'm not going camping. I don't know. Wow, another My, camp. I have I I have no skin in the game. I do not care. <laughs> Sounds like you're a camping truther. Trice. <laughs> did she go camping? Yes or I no? I think so. I think they were in like a trailer 
uh, not like a oh yes, yes, yes. Cabin. it yeah. was like a trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I did, I did not get an itinerary of their activities of what they were up to. Seemed like they were probably out camping. Um, would not. I I don't know. I guess if I were a person who was super into camping, I might make a comment like. No, even then, I can't imagine being like, no, you're not camping, fucking loser. You're not camping. Uh, you have your phone. With your precious free moments in the day, that is how yeah. you choose to spend them. Yeah, it doesn't quite, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure where this, you know, I, I was about to say, I'm not sure where, like where the hostility is coming from, but it's probably like Corolla listeners. Um, <laughs> that's just what I assume. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna say yes on the camping just to spite those people, I guess. <laughs> so I forgot, and thank you for reminding me, that they did say it was kind of like a mobile home kind of situation. And when I was driving from California on my move here to Pennsylvania, I stopped uh, to visit my friend in the western part of Pennsylvania. He's there for work. And he does live out of uh, like a mobile home. And whenever he gets like a new job every few years, he just hooks it up to his truck, drives to some new place. So although it's not quote unquote camping to me, I do believe that she was at a campground, which you could call camping. And a lot of people do bring like RVs and motorhomes and stuff to a campground and call it camping. But also if you've ever lived in like a mobile home trailer type of thing, or like rented one or lived out of one briefly, she kind of is roughing it. Like, sure, you have a bed and there's like a little stove and a water tank so you can take a shower or pee or wash your hands or whatever. But it is nothing like, you know, the comfort of home. So I give her points for uh, doing that. And I sure as hell wouldn't fucking if I had a kid <laughs> and they were like, oh, the class is going to have a fucking camp visit thing for the weekend. Want to come? I'd be like, fuck you. Fuck those kids. Not going to do it. <laughs> um, John Ross Bowie mentioned that his family had uh, food poisoning while camping. And I think he said never again. That uh, is one of the dangers of camping. Uh, so, yeah, not not a big fan. Um, at some point, uh, they talked to Jonah and he said that he retreats into sincerity when he can't be funny. I think he said Kyle Kinane said that about him. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm kind of the same way for, or, or sorry, no, no, no. Oh yeah. I guess if I couldn't be funny, I, maybe I would just be overly sincere. Um, I don't know. Delaney, what is your, uh, defense mechanism when you can't be funny? I think, uh, I definitely also sincerity or vulnerability instead of, uh, reverting to my least favorite, which is like, you know, snark or sarcasm or things like that. It would be like, Oh, these jokes aren't landing. How about trauma? Do you have trauma like my trauma? Let's <laughs> let's share. That's where I would go. Trauma bonding, Trice. Uh, you know, angry people on TikTok and Twitter would tell you that's not what trauma bonding means. <laughs> um, but I will I will spare you that. Uh, trauma bonding truther. Mm, um. <laughs> yeah, I've been. I've never not been funny, so it's hard for me to speculate. Um, fair. I, fair. No, I. Uh, I can, you know, I was having this conversation literally just last night um, with a a, a, a friend, a, an acquaintance who was becoming more friendly. I'm not in like a like a way, but just a a person I know. Um, and it's easy. It's sometimes easier to talk about like uh, 
personal stuff, maybe even like traumatic stuff than it is for me to make small talk because it's like uh it, it feels like something more stable to hold on to for the purposes of a conversation. So I do have a little bit of that. I don't tend to, uh, I'm not a big discloser of personal information um, in general, um, but I, you know, on occasion I will throw some stuff out there, but it's, it's usually a sign that I feel comfortable with someone. It's not just like, I got nothing to say. Let's talk about, you know, seventh grade and how bad it was or whatever. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I I do think that I know that trauma bonding is, we bond because we went through a traumatic experience together. Is that what TikTok would tell me? Uh, no, that's what people have started oh, to say they... it as. Yeah, but the actual definition is more like Stockholm Syndrome. Like, you would be oh, trauma bonding with okay. your abuser um, because they're putting you through this and then they are also your support. Hmm. Okay. I should, uh, Yikes. I should read my <laughs> DSM-6 uh, copy. Or I still have the five. I don't know. What are they up to on those things? They're like Marvel movies. Who can keep track? Sure. What's it's the like... deal? <laughs> um, ba -ba -ba -bum. So instead of properly doing fun facts, I think we just got like a random slew of facts. Like John Ross Bowie mentioned that he got a tattoo recently of the Unisphere and that is an attraction at the 1964 World's Fair. It's still there, apparently, uh, in Queens, I think. I had to look up a picture of the Unisphere, but it is pretty iconic. It kind of looks like the the globe at, uh, what is the theme park in Florida? I feel like Delaney Universal knows. Studios! Yes, yeah, I feel, like it's, <laughs> I feel like it's the Universal Studios globe-looking thing. Um, I don't know. And then he, he mentioned that they're raising their kids jewish it, it was it was such a strange way to do their fun not fact. a fun fact yeah it was just, just... a fact <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i and also i think during the intro when tony was introducing them they were like jumping in like hey happy to be here and it's like i don't know if it's production like there could be a production change made to to make it like the way that I expected it to be, um. But this was a kind of I I feel like this whole episode was very disjointed for me because it didn't feel like the regular Thursday show. Did you guys feel this at all? Yeah, it felt a little wobbly. Like um, I like both of the guests but also it, it didn't uh it seemed to lack a little bit of structure somehow I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it and um so it's and then when they moved over to jonah and his fun facts it just became show and tell like i think i didn't uh pay too close of attention on the youtube version but i think he was like oh this record behind me it's like a signed copy of this soundtrack and i have this thing over here so it like turned into a weird show and tell uh where we even got to see a chucky doll um but this made me think of i i feel like a lot of my childhood experiences were i feel like th the stuff i saw on tv was like never the stuff that happened to me in real life except for once we did do show and tell at school because i'm a terrible student and i'm a procrastinator and I'm unprepared for everything. I didn't know what I was going to bring because I mean, especially at like fifth grade, like 
I had no interests, you know? What am I going to do? Bring in <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage to school? So. Yes, yes. I just. That's exactly yeah. what you <laughs> do. Pretty cool. <laughs> well, RIP Randy Savage, but I don't <laughs> think he would have come. Um, so I, so what I defaulted to is I was like, bring me, I had to call my mom and I was like, bring me like the newest toy that I had, which was like a, a motorcycle, like a motocross dirt bike thing and <laughs> a magazine, which is now defunct. Like they all are. It was called Import Tuner. And <laughs> so they brought these two fucking things. And I was just like, this is because I like cars and I want to ride motorcycles. That was my fucking show and tell. How sad. Uh, Trice, did you ever do show and tell? Oh, I'm sure. I don't remember actually ever bringing anything, though. Um, also, that particular show and tell, uh, very, uh, you have lived up to the things that you brought. So it's very predictive, very a good indicator of where you're headed in life. True. Uh, I, I wasn't lying, but yeah. I, I feel like that was just like, what does that tell you about me? Nothing. That doesn't tell you about me. It just I guess it's my interest. Um, Delaney, I feel like if you did show and tell, it would be much more entertaining than mine. Uh, have you done show and tell? If I have done show and tell, I have blocked it out from my memory. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. It just sounds like one of those exercises that you would have to do in elementary and middle school of like, that you don't realize till later is subtly teaching you how to be a real person of like, hey, no one wants to do this, but someday you're going to have to get up in front of people and talk about stuff um now it would i have so much random crap it'd be so fun but i would bring my book for sure and just be like hey read it buy it they would have a great time i get to talk about myself they'd have an enjoyment and then i'd get royalties like win 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 oh that that's actually a better direction than uh the one i took i should have said if you were to do show and tell now what would it be so you would bring mm. your book trice yeah. if you were doing show and tell now what would you bring interesting interesting uh it depends on who who i was showing things to and telling um what was uh, your most uh traumatic school age and make it whatever grade that was like let's say you had to go <laughs> into that classroom so if i had to go into let's say god that's that's difficult um let's, uh, let's say eighth grade just to be safe, I guess. I don't know. Um, and if I had to bring something from now to do show and tell then, mm -hmm. something I have now, uh, well, like a cell phone, <laughs> like show them <laughs> something from the future. Um, but... Well, I was thinking like you would go to an eighth grade class now, not a time oh, okay. machine situation. Okay. I was just saying like pick your worst Ooh. age, so eighth grade, but do it now. All of my stuff would definitely bore most eighth graders. <laughs> uh, I I guess my like my, my piano keyboard or something I don't know or I mean maybe just like a VCR just to show them something old like go the other direction be like <laughs> hey this we used to watch videos on like magnetic tape that were like 3D printed but we didn't have 3D printers so we had like factories to fabricate them um and then there was like cable like TV but it was like it was streaming but it was like through an antenna it was like wireless but it wasn't the internet um yeah I uh yeah, I'm going to go with VCR and then just show them tapes in case they get bored and want to watch a movie or something. Oh, wow. That would be 
a very sad eighth grade class. Yeah. <laughs> They'd yeah. be so disappointed. Um, I wonder what I would take. Um, I would take my PS5, and I'd be like, ah, you don't have one. Ha ha. Look at you. You brokey. Uh, I think I'd do that. <laughs> and then I would right. get mugged in the parking lot by, like, a bunch of eighth graders. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So John Ross Bowie wrote a book about the movie Heathers, and Tony gave us a quiz on it. Uh, We talked about this before, and I will reiterate that I, of all the movies that we have talked about now, even on the BFF episode and the Monday and Thursday shows, I've seen none of these movies. But have you guys seen Heathers? And how did you do on the quiz? I have not seen it. I failed the quiz. (laughs) Uh, I have seen it. I think I did okay on the quiz. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. But it's it's a pretty. It's not a movie. It's a movie that that when it came out, I think was like impactful for people, or even like the years afterward when it was like out on home video or whatever. But it's a maybe a like a half a generation before I would have watching. I would have been watching things and sort of um caring about them. I think you would have had to watch it as a teenager or a like a, a preteen or something like that. And I was like a a baby or something. I, I didn't actually watch it until I was at like 30 and watched it on Netflix like a couple years ago. So uh, it did not make the same impact on me. <laughs> um, Allison loves throwing in a reference to microfiche. Speaking of uh, antiquated magnetic tape, I assume that's what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm too young to know. But she does love a <laughs> microfiche reference. Uh, and I caught that, Allison. Uh, they talked about kids named Heather. I only know of one Heather, and that's Lisa's friend. And I suppose she's my friend as well. Um, hmm. Allison talked about her birthday. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on Heather's. Literal Heather's. People named Heather. Um, but Allison mentioned her birthday. They went to Fleming's in Pasadena. And there was a 50 to 60-year-old couple. The woman wearing a wedding ring. The man not they looked down to bone. <laughs> and Allison mentioned quite possibly the most deranged thing I've ever heard her talk about. The fact that she wanted to hire a private investigator to find out who they were <laughs> and make it a podcast or a part of this podcast. Um, Trice, what are your thoughts on this? And the cheaters with Allison Rosen. I don't know. Um, that's... Uh... <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, I I did not think she was serious about having this idea, uh, but it turns out she was, uh, and that's 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 weird. <laughs> um, I did like hearing the story. It did remind me of a course, of course, the story about the palm, which uh, an all time great Allison Rosen story. Uh, we as uh, we were able to go out, I think, though, to a different palm location, uh, sort of in in homage of that great story. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, I'm happy she didn't hire a private investigator to, I don't know, destroy these people's lives if they were actually married. I don't know what the end game of this would be. Yeah, it was like a, um, second, less exciting follow-up story. It was, it was a sequel that slumped a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I'm... Fascinated. I was. I will admit, I was disappointed when they turned out to like not actually be like people sneaking off to have an affair. I was. I was kind of. I wanted that for them a little bit, although not not actually. Yes, we we did go to the Palm. Uh, they went to the one in Beverly Hills, and the one we went to. 
now I can't remember. I feel like we were not even in Los Angeles, but um, maybe we were. Don't recall. Uh, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder what it is. They mentioned, you know, what is it about them that, like, they're always at a restaurant with like a randy older couple, <laughs> and I was thinking maybe somehow Allison and Daniel like. They talk about how they're just like miserable and, you know, they're not affectionate at all. But maybe there's something about them that exudes sexuality where the people around them are just so aroused by their presence. It like rubs off onto them and they can't help but finger bang their loved one in a booth next to them. You know, maybe it's something they're doing. If that were the case. Wouldn't some of this be happening at live shows then? Because Allison say, and Daniel are always both there. Who's to say it hasn't? I guess. <laughs> or so the legend says. Someone tell me. Um, so when, I w when they were telling this story before they got to the, the twist, um, I, I didn't think it was weird at all. Because she said the lady was wearing a ring, the guy was not. I was like, yeah, women always wear their wedding rings or their engagement rings. And... The guys often, I feel like sometimes they don't. Um, it's I think if it was reversed, if he had a wedding ring and she did not, then I would say scandal, start mm -hmm. a podcast. Um, and then, yeah, it turns out uh, there was no story here. But I do like the fact that they were, you know, communicating this to the to their waitress and that she was like kind of in on it with them. And was like, "Ooh, I'm going to investigate with the bartender. And I'm curious what the bartender uh, had heard other than just the fact that they have a child together. But do you guys think that he could potentially potentially be a Orange County politician? Do you think it was a cancer scare? Do you think it's just a regular-ass couple out for dinner? I mean, statistically, regular couple out for dinner is seems to be the most likely although just because they have a kid together doesn't mean one of them isn't cheating they could be exes who are like doing a thing you know mm. you never know who's who's creeping around um yeah i don't know it's i for some reason the orange county politician thing like makes sense to me like like kind of like uh i think what these stories have in common the old the uh older couples older people feeling each other up in public scenarios is like not just older but like maybe have you know a couple dollars in their pocket like sort of like rich older perv behavior uh and i that makes me think orange county no offense lisa <laughs> uh i don't think she'll be offended by that but earlier in the show john ross bowie mentioned that uh he has a friend who they call the or he, he called him the museum of regrettable tattoos and i was thinking that's probably what Lisa thinks of herself because every time uh, we talk about tattoos, she's like, Oh, I want to cover this. I want to get rid of this. And yet again, I'll say it, Lisa, don't you touch that goddamn toast. Don't you dare. <laughs> um, Daniel mentioned that when he was younger uh, and friends would come over that his family was always naked. So he'd always had to like do a, a little check. And Jonah mentioned that his family, uh, I think they were, Oh no, he I think he walked in on them once, but he mentioned that his like family smoked weed and that he would be like, Oh yeah, I don't know, I think the neighbors do it. But that made me think of what is the thing that when you were a kid, 
you were ashamed of that you were afraid that your friends would would think was weird when they came over to your place I'll, I'll, I can go first so for the majority of my life um, I was ashamed of the fact that my mom loves going to the thrift store like she would buy all our clothes at the thrift store um, everything we had in our house was from the thrift store and it's it's kind of like now I don't give a shit but for a long time as a kid growing up I was like oh my god people are gonna know we're poor we weren't like poor poor but you know we were poor um but like there's one there's no shame in it two now it's like super okay to go like like kind of a cool thing to go to a thrift store and like get something vintage uh but for some reason I was like ashamed of that as a kid um and also, Mexican ladies just fucking love the thrift store. There's nothing weird about it in, in the Mexican culture. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. You guys have something? Um, I think when I was little, I I did this thing of, like, I was much... I was only critical of myself, and I thought everyone else was just, like, awesome. So, my family, I was like, oh, yeah, the house is normal. The house is... Like, I didn't, it never even crossed my mind to, to be embarrassed of anything my family did. My deep fear was always be like, I didn't, I didn't have people over. I'm like, I don't want them to see my room and see all my interests, which is funny. Obviously, I've grown out of that, considering the office I'm sitting in right now looks like an office mixed with, like, a toddler's bedroom, <laughs> considering how many toys are in here. Um so yeah, I just didn't want them to see like, ooh, I had all these books. Or like at one time I was really into dolphins. Like what if they saw my dolphin figurines? <laughs> like world ending. Trice. Um, I don't I don't think I had a thing in particular other than that like I I didn't feel like I had any cool stuff. <laughs> like it was just a lack of like cool stuff to do. So that was kind of the main thing. Uh, there was also like but like my mom not wanting people to come over because like that the house was messy or whatever. So like <laughs> that that was. But I didn't really care because I was a kid. I was like, whatever, bro. Like it's a like I'm I'm nine. I don't care if they think it's messy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think those were the two main things. Jonah also mentioned that one time when he was I guess new to L.A. that someone invited him to a party in Malibu and that there was a guy massaging a woman, which turned into him fingering her in front of a bunch of people and everyone just kind of watched. And he said that, you know, it was a moment where he thought, you know, he's kind of like a, you know, sexually free liberal kind of person. And then this made him feel like a prude. And although I never had an instance quite like that, I do feel like I related to that quite a bit. I know oftentimes I'll have friends tell me stories that happened and I'm just like, Oh my God, like that's <laughs> crazy. But I'm wondering if there's uh, a specific thing like that, that you guys have experienced. I I know people who, uh, things maybe get weird after like a certain amount of alcohol and a certain, after it gets late enough at night, uh, maybe people, people who aren't, uh, maybe maybe there's some sort of non-monogamous things going on so people are a little bit more uh, flexible with who they end up making out with uh, things get kind of uh, loosey-goosey um, but that's uh, that's more or less the extent that I am uh, allowed to speak about such things 
in good conscience. There was a time when I was younger, I was, God, probably 20 or so, uh, working at Jack in the Box, uh, being broke and unhappy. Um, and there was a, this car pulls up and God, I think, so like some girl was giving some guy a BJ in like the back seat or something like that while like the friend was driving and he was like, ha ha, yeah. Like, like, isn't this cool? And I just like stared, <laughs> I stared at him with like the, the deadest eyes, like, and just like, I think I made him genuinely feel bad about what was going on, which is, <laughs> which is good for me. I did appreciate that. I do have like a little bit of a, uh, like a buckle hat, uh, pilgrim, uh, uh, Puritan thing going on in the oh. uh, at sometimes, uh, but it's it's mostly just out of like uh, anger at other people. I think for the most part. Uh, yeah, I think if I went to the Jack in the Box drive-through and and uh, I was getting sh- like shamed <laughs> by the employee there, I would really rethink my life choices. <laughs> um, I hope so. I hope he just like became like a priest after that or something. He just converted yeah. to something. He's also, go... the instant we just had where Rafi and I both thought you were going to actually pull out a pilgrim buckle hat. Yeah, I didn't know where you were going. <laughs> You're like pilgrim. No, buckle. unfortunately, unfortunately. Um, Delaney, any moments like this? I have been very fortunate to have not witnessed um, anything like this, but I also don't know that I would be phased as much because i i read a lot obviously and just this year i have read i'm reading a lot of like the romance genre which i've not read specifically and especially when you get into like filthy romance there is a lot of crazy consensual stuff in these books (laughs) especially when there's no rules and they can make up whatever they want so i think i'd be like if I saw it in real life, I'd be like, all right, good for you guys, but maybe let's talk about consent in, in terms of the folks who, who may see this happening. Like, good for you, but unless everyone's been like, cool, we're down to watch, perhaps we should get you, like, a blanket or something. To... Also, is this a restaurant? Like, let's not do this in a food environment, perhaps. Mm. So I would navigate it. Yeah, I, I have a friend, and she would tell me a lot of stories, like, she had sex in a movie theater, uh, like sex at work and stuff. And I'm, I'm just like, what? I, I don't understand. Like, th- this is so not me. And, and they, they talked about this, uh, that like the younger generation or, or Jonah said like his generation that he feels like people are more prudish than the older generations. And I, I, I don't know if that's true, but I did think it was interesting. I don't know if you guys have any insight on this. It pairs interestingly. So I'm 30. That concept pairs interestingly with like the kind of uh, sex education I got in school, which was like very lacking. And it was mostly about like in the vaguest terms possible, explaining how things worked and otherwise just scaring you shitless from getting any sort of STD. Um, So it kind of attached shame to, to, sex and stuff like that instead of kind of humanizing it is like hey this is a normal thing that most people really like doing and you'll probably encounter um so i resonated with jonah on that a little bit um because even i feel like younger generations like i said about younger siblings and stuff like regardless of what they're i don't know how education has changed in the classroom but like my younger siblings have access to the internet if there's something they want to know 
especially explain in a helpful, healthy way, like in a very respectful way, like there's someone on YouTube or TikTok doing that, uh, which I think is good. So John Ross Bowie started to talk about, um, speaking of being uh, sexually uh, liberated, I guess, he went to the Ren Fair. Uh, he even wore a kilt and a sporin, uh, which I did not know what that thing was called, but good to know now. Um, I feel like he, he did mention that it's more fun when you dress up. And I, I would agree that when you kind of commit to something, it, it is more fun. But I feel like he didn't really commit because he said he was wearing like boxer briefs underneath. Uh, have you guys been to the Ren Fair? Do you enjoy a Ren Fair? And if so, do you guys dress up at all? I do love a Ren Fair. I've not gone recently, obviously, but I love a Ren Fair. I love a Comic-Con. I love dressing up. Uh, you probably know this because I know we are Instagram friends. Hell, I'll dress up and like not leave the house. I'll do it just for <laughs> me. I'll spend two hours on a costume, take like 20 pictures by the window for 10 minutes, and then take it all off. And I find that so satisfying. Um, so, yeah, I, I like – I don't know. I like any excuse for people to be – really into to nerdy things obviously and to really celebrate stuff that they love uh i love shopping at things like this i will say though sometimes ren fairs especially ren fairs are a step too immersive for me like i like role play is something that i think you find a lot more commonly at ren fairs and you will be in a very friendly way be offered to be roped into uh like hey weary traveler would you like a potion or a ticket and i was like no, I want to look at the turkey legs and I want to just talk to the three people I came with and get a beer. Like, <laughs> Just because I'm here doesn't mean I'm here to be social. So sometimes uh, that's a little much for me. Trice? Yeah, that's my, I've never been to one. That's my main hesitation. It's like, I don't want to have to like do things or like uh, be mm -hmm. part of like a whole interactive experience. It would be cool just to like wander around. Um, also the clothes, it's like uh I understand it's more fun getting dressed up or whatever, but it also it feels a little too like Robin Hood for me. It's like a little, uh, it's, uh, I know, so I think it was John Ross Bowie who mentioned like people are like dressing up in different kinds of clothes, like middle ages, like in Japan or like African stuff, which is very cool. But also it's, uh, I don't know, the, the, it feels like he mentioned also like you feel weird for showing up in regular clothes, but also like you don't necessarily fully want to dress up. So I don't quite know how I would be comfortable like existing in that space yeah I also th I also love that he mentioned that people are like cosplaying other cultures of like Ren Faire times but just other parts of the world I, I would love to see that I, I do feel that most of the cosplaying that you see is pop culture related like at comic cons and stuff so you'll see like a lot of superhero stuff or like video game stuff so maybe I should seek out a Ren Faire. Um, I guess I missed my chance to go to like the California one, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like a real stick in the mud in a situation like that, where like, if someone walks up to me and they ask me like where I got my beer, like, Oh, where did you get that fine elixir? And I'll be like, <laughs> you guys can't see or yeah. the people listening. Can't see my face, but uh, like, I think they heard your the eyes roll. Up. I'm sure like, they did. Yeah. <laughs> like at the fucking beer tent over there, guy, you see the line. Yep. Where do you think I got my fucking elixir? So I, I feel like a real, like a, like I got to stick up my ass or something, but because I, I, I can't, I know I would have more fun if I committed, but I also just can't. It's not for me. Um, 
Although I would love to see pictures <laughs> of anyone that uh, goes to these things. Um, and Jonah mentioned that he went to Cruel World, which apparently is like a goth festival. Um, and I think there must be, I think there's like a bit of a crossover, like with a Ren fair. I think some people may not want to dress up like an old timey uh jousting guy or whatever but they're like oh this is a place where it's okay to dress up so like you i think you'll see like steampunk goth people there so i again i don't think i would ever dress up but i do love the fact that people are like they they kind of found their safe place for them you know yeah um the goth festival i i don't think i would ever go to this uh he mentioned like a bunch of bands were playing and i'm like i never heard of them never heard of them i think i've heard of them um trice you're kind of i feel like familiar with some of this stuff and recently if people follow you on instagram they'll see that you kind of did dress up for something um tell us about that tell us about goth music oh oh i mean i'm uh i i dabble and i've uh my fingers in many pots is that an expression um i don't believe that's right uh the yeah so i'm i'm generally aware i'm aware of this particular festival uh someone i know actually went there um good on jonah for not mentioning morrissey who's actually kind of the headliner but is a, a problematic figure um yeah so there was a bunch of bands there was you know Bauhaus and Devo and Blondie. So there's there's a like a venn diagram of like goth stuff and like new wave stuff so you might not think of like Devo or the sort of like new wave punk bands as being part of a goth thing, but it's a, it's all sort of in the same uh, territory. Uh, the idea of going to like a festival with 30 bands, it sounds disgusting and bad to me and I hate it. It sounds too hot, no matter what time of year or place you're talking about it. Um, it just gives me an uncomfortable feeling like physically in my body, even hearing about it, but it would be very cool to see all kinds of bands that you're into. It was, it was a, uh, not specifically the stuff I'm into, um, but it was it was a cool idea, and it seems like most everybody had a good time. Oh, as far as me, I like a I uh, you know I I enjoy a, a little. One of my things on my list this year for like things I want to do is find 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 excuses to dress up fancy a little bit. So there was a birthday party a couple months ago that I went to, which was like a lightly costumed thing. It was like rockers versus zombies in the in a in homage to a movie that we were going to watch, which is like a Japanese horror movie about like this rock band that has to fight off a bunch of zombies is pretty cool. Anyway. Um, I, so for like quotes for rocker for my, instead of dressing up like a, you know, a punk rock thing or like a hair metal thing, I did goth, but I ended up wearing like a, like a suit jacket and like a, you know, a red tie. It was like business goth. I thought it looked kind of cool. I liked it. I don't know. I'm um, like black nail polish and uh, like red eye makeup. It was I I enjoy I enjoy like gothy goth adjacent things. It sort of fits my aesthetic, even though I don't uh, tend to dress like that, particularly not anymore. Uh, you just reminded me of something. Um, I I have like a weird um, fascination with like death metal. Um, and there's some death metal bands. They call it corpse paint. I'm sure you've seen it. It's like you paint your mm -hmm. face white and like the eyes, like your eyes are kind of blackened and some people get more uh, intricate with it. But I love the look of it, but I don't think I'll ever dress up that way. But I think that would be like if, if I were to dress up for Halloween or something, I, I feel like I could do a corpse paint kind of thing. Um, uh, speaking of corpses, 
Tony went to see Paul McCartney, <laughs> who will be turning 80 soon. I As soon as uh, I saw his stories on Instagram, I told Lauren, I was like, we have to go see Paul McCartney. I did not even know he was touring. And I feel like we've... Like we've gone to a, a a couple of shows recently, I feel like, or maybe just one, but we're going next weekend to see Haim again. We saw them in for my birthday at the Hollywood Bowl uh, this past month. So I, just like Tony, I'm like, I have to see him before he retires or unfortunately dies. Um, and I don't care what it costs, but I have to see him. Uh, I don't know if you guys, Trice, I know you're, just diving headfirst into uh, Beatles stuff. Are you gonna go see Paul McCartney anytime soon? Uh, no, not while he's still around. Probably. Um, I'll catch the hologram in ten years, maybe. I yeah, it's uh, I am not a, a big, a huge Beatles fan. It would be very cool to see him, but like the 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 price is probably gonna be prohibitive. Also, I know like uh, maybe. 15 Beatles songs, most of them from Sgt. Pepper's, which is the one album I listened to. Um, and then like no wing songs and no anything he's done after that. So it's like, I, I, I feel like it would almost be like a waste of a ticket for me to go. Like someone else should probably have that seat. Delaney, Beatles, Paul McCartney. I think Zach and I only have room on the summer concert docket for one corpse this year. And I think that place is going to go to Elton John actually instead. So he's going to be our corpse of choice this year. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I, I don't know if this is like a true regret, but there's this Mexican singer. I kind of think of him as like the Mexican Elvis. His name is Vicente Fernandez. And he retired some years back and, he passed away uh, somewhat recently and I was so bummed that I never got to see him because much, much like uh, this Paul McCartney situation, when he announced it was like his last tour or maybe he didn't even announce that, but I was like, we should go see him. And my friend was like, ah, it's going to be expensive. And I was like, "Ah, yeah, yeah, I guess he has a point. Ah, we'll catch him next time. There was no fucking next time. And it's not like, it's like I'm the biggest Vicente Fernandez fan in the world, but his music is, you know, these are songs I've heard my whole life. Thanks to growing up in a Mexican household and seeing these records that my dad had. Uh, And the music is undeniably great. So I'm kind of set on not repeating that. So now whenever there is a show, this is, and going back to living for myself, this is how this whole thing began. Um, this whole thing, this, this, <laughs> I'm gesturing at my laptop, um, <laughs> because I was like, yeah, I'm going to pay a fuck ton of money to get floor seats to the Staples Center to see Taylor Swift. That was the day I met Superfan Megan and thus the whirlwind, whirlwind, the whirlwind that is this shit began. Um, so yeah, I'm going to look at Paul McCartney and I swear to God, he better be coming to Philly soon so I can go. Um, I don't think that I will cry like Tony did. <laughs> Maybe I will. Let's be honest. I will. Um, Tony mentioned that he cried, or sorry, he cries when he just sees a group of people having fun. Um, I think I must have something wrong with me because strange, very strange things make me cry. Uh, I mentioned once a tortilla commercial <laughs> made me cry. Um <laughs> 
Delaney, are you a big crier? Um, I used to be. I would cry at like everything, but uh, like the aforementioned antidepressants I have, which are lovely and treating an anxiety condition, I don't cry quite so easily anymore, which is honestly uh, kind of a nice break. So, yeah, only on those nights that it's me and Matt Damon and we bought a zoo. <laughs> Trice, do you cry when people have fun? Um, <laughs> yes, but for the opposite reason. I just hate it so much. Um, yeah, I related to Tony being very happy about it, and there's something like very heartwarming about that. I I don't tend to. I'm not a big crier. Um, I do have the like Casino Royale villain thing, where like I have like a, a, a like an eye that'll like my tear duct to like run a little bit, but much less. Um, but it's not like a a cry cry. I have in in uh, on occasion. Like one, I don't know, once every year or so, I will like cry in my sleep and then like wake up and realize it and like, oh, that's, that's probably not a good sign. Or maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but yeah, in general, not a big crier. Um, Tony mentioned that everything about this concert experience was expensive. He said parking at SoFi Stadium was $100. Uh, Tony, if you've got $40,000 to do a live show... I think you can pay a hundred bucks to park. Also, has he heard of Lyft and or Uber? <laughs> he could have parked somewhere, took a little Lyft over there. We when we went to see Hyam at the Hollywood Bowl, I'm gonna mention that again. Um, <laughs> I was assuming we were gonna drive and just pay, you know, forty to sixty bucks to park somewhere, but Megan was like, No, let's take a Uber, Lyft, or whatever. We did. And then on the way out is when that bit us in the ass because Everyone was waiting for a Lyft or an Uber, so we had to walk forever. And we just took the train back to her place, which wasn't so bad. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's why I, I think I would rather park. But then you're going to be in the traffic leaving. So, yeah, there's no good solution. Stay home is what I say. <laughs> um, yet again, they skipped Tony's JMO. And they and Allison decided that she's going to be bringing back the adoptable dog segment but they didn't really have any dogs she mentioned a shelter which was great um just like her show ended on uh on a fizzle so does this one uh did you guys have anything else from monday or thursday that you wanted to mention uh no i appreciated the uh prince shout out from the monday episode um or the guest did the lyrics to I Will Die For You. I thought that was cute. Um, uh, uh, no, nothing really. I will say I particularly enjoyed the Monday guest. Um, the Thursday show was also enjoyable, although, like I said, a little wobbly. It felt uh, a little, uh, uh, you know, you know. But yeah, I was I was more of a fan of the Monday show, which is not always the case. Yes, uh, much like you, I prefer the Monday to the Thursday, uh, and I I think I jinxed it because last week I mentioned when Tony gets to pick, it's going to be good. He picks great guests. The, the guests were great, sure, but mm -hmm. then I also said uh, I think it helps when they're already friends and they're friends of Tony's, so it kind of helps everyone mesh together, but for some reason, this episode with, with John and, and Jonah, for some reason, just something about it was off it just didn't flow the way that it normally does um and i wonder what that was about but 
who knows? Will we ever get another Tony's picks? Let's hope so. <laughs> and let's hope it's smoother than this. Um, on that note, <laughs> Rocky's picks. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, um, I think you can, uh, if you want to be on the show, you can email bffancast at gmail.com. You can follow Lisa at BFF Lisa Lowry. You can follow me at Call Her Stewart on Instagram. Trice, where can we follow you? Uh, you know, I'm around. If you feel like you need to, if you feel like you need to check out my, if, if on some day in the distant future, it's like a Friday and you're like, I wish someone would like on Fridays regularly post like cute animal videos to their Instagram. Um, and then most other days like post like filth from TikTok or whatever. Um, my Instagram is, uh, at zero three underscore book. It's zero, the word spelled out. And then the number, the numeral three, and then underscore, and then the word book. Um, uh, yeah, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at TSDCX. Uh, you don't have to follow. It's fine. It's 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 good even. I It's better. It's better. You're fine. You made a good choice. <laughs> Delaney, plug everything, and where can we find you? Yeah, so I am at DJ underscore rhetoric everywhere. And check out my book, Silhouette and the Shadow, by me. So... Uh, if you look at my name or the title of the book on any uh, online bookseller, your Amazons, your Barnes & Noble, your indie bookstore, uh, it will pop up and you can buy it, which is crazy. So check it out. I think you'll like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, I, you know, I, I feel shame, but I know I shouldn't. I bought your book, of course. Mm -hmm. I have been meaning to read it, but it's in a storage unit in California right now. Otherwise, I would have forced myself to read it before this. Um, once I'm done reading it, I will report back, but I'm sure I'll love it. Uh, I'm actually three books. It's a real bummer. Our friendship has to end this way. <laughs> hey, at least I bought it. You know, that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm three books behind. I have three books to read and I'm like probably a, a total of tw 10 pages in. <laughs> so, you know, once I get to that storage unit and I get those books out, whew. I am going to yeah. read them books. Let yes, me tell yes. you. No worries. Reading books takes time. So, yes, no especially worries. when I'm physically thousands of miles from those books, it's somehow more mm -hmm. difficult. Um, yes, again, thank you all for being on. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week you with Lisa. It was like, who's going to who's who rule the, the, the nigga kingdom and shit, basically? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Around and catch your ass.
Woo, we did it. Yay!